Well, praise the Lord. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number two this morning. Hebrews chapter number two. We will get back into our end time series uh, in the next week or so. I'm going to take a week this month. I'm not sure what week it'll be. Just still praying on that. I I know with sickness and with weather, we would have uh, people traveling as well still this Sunday. So I do not want to take this Sunday as a vision Sunday, but in the next couple weeks we'll do that. And then we'll get back into our end time series. And I'm excited about finishing that series up uh, sometime in the next month or so. And I hope that it's been a help to you. But today I want to speak to you just on this first Sunday of the new year. And I know know nothing magical necessarily happens on the first Sunday of the new year. It's just another year. And I know the older you get, it's just just another year. Time just continues to go so quickly. How many of you... You said that at some point this month, or this last month, I can't believe how fast time is going by. I, I am saying that to my wife more and more. I feel like I said, I, <clears throat> I think you're getting older, Michelle, because time just seems going faster, <clears throat> going by so quickly. Uh, but it does. Time goes by so quickly. And it is, it is a new year. And I think it is a great time for us just to, to, to evaluate our life. I think it's a great time for us to evaluate things like our Bible reading and our devotion to the Lord and, and our service to the Lord, our giving to the Lord. All those things are, are wonderful times, and it's just a, a good time to, to reevaluate those things. So we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 2, and would you follow along with me in verse number 1? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him let's look at verse number three once again how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. We, we're not sure what 2022 is going to bring. If we, uh, uh, I, I was reading a, a fellow said that we ought to get a, a 20-year plan for a church. I thought, that sounds really familiar. And uh, then present that to a church. And, and then someone said, well, what do you do when 2020 hits? And it reminded me, and uh, December 8th, I believe it was, of 2019, I had presented a 20-year plan to our church. It was an exciting plan, and, and then 2020 hit, and we ended up in the tent for four months. We, we ended up online, and, and some, some still are watching online and haven't been able to be back in church. We've had funerals of people in our church this last several weeks. Boy, it just seemed like every week another funeral another funeral and and uh, there's a, a fellow that's been visiting our church for like the last four or five services I just got word that he had passed away this past week and and just just you never know what a year is going to bring we can we can plan we can prepare but the reality is this none of us are sure what 2022 is going to hold we are all hoping for the best. We say things like Happy New Year and have a blessed new year, but, but we're not sure what this year is going to bring. 
you know, one of, the, one of the wonderful realities is this. Jesus could come again this year. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? We, we could go meet him. Maybe that's not what we have planned, but we might, some in this room might meet Jesus this year through death. But, but one thing I am certain of, we must determine that we are going to stand firm upon the principles of God's word. No matter what happens this year, we must stand firm on God's word. The one thing that will never change is God's word. And that's our anchor. And so I want you to see in verse number one, he says this, the author of Hebrews says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed. Now, this author obviously has spent time around ships because in this chapter, he's speaking of a, of a nautical theme or analogy to, to a captain of a ship. That, that more earnest heed speaks of, of bringing a ship into harbor. And the most skillful part of a, of a uh, part of a captain that's captaining the ship is bringing a ship into harbor. If you've ever been on a ship, on a boat coming into harbor, it's a, it's a very slow, skillful process. The Bible also says this in verse number one. Not only does it say that we ought to give a more earnest heed, he also says, lest at any time we should let them slip. And this speaks of, of drifting. These are both nautical-type themes, analogies, that the author of Hebrews is using. This speaks of drifting away. Be careful, because coming into the harbor, there's always great rocks. If you've ever come into a harbor, it's, it's, it's uh, surrounded by great rocks. Be careful that you don't just, just drift into this harbor, because you could hit rocks. Also, be careful that you're not drifting because you could miss the harbor. And so as this author is, is warning us, giving warning to us, telling us to give careful heed, he is, he is using this analogy of a ship. He speaks of the, the dr dangers of drifting or aimless life. And I want to encourage us in this upcoming year not to just drift through another year or to just go aimlessly through another year. Church, God has a plan for his local church and God has a plan for your life. You are important to God and this church is important to God and we must be determined that we are going to follow God's word in accomplishing what he has for us in this new year. Here the author speaks of the danger of, of drifting. You know, the worst thing that could happen to us this year is that we'll just drift through another year. One of the, the concerns that I have had in, as us as, as Christians, as us as a church, you know, since 2020, it just seems like we're just kind of going through the motions of life and we're allowing the news media to dictate what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And I, and I understand, I understand, church, that we're living in a time of, of great sickness. I, I tell people all the time, I, I know the, the pandemic is real. I, I spent over a week in the hospital. I, I understand how real it is. I, I've stood by the casket of way too many people this last year and the year before that have gone on to see the Lord because of this virus. But I want to say this, God still has a plan for his people. That's where everyone is supposed to say amen there. 
God still has a plan for his church. And we cannot just aimlessly go through a year just letting what will be will be. We've got to have direction. We've got to have focus. And we have to have confidence that God is in control. And I want to preach today the message here out of Hebrews, this message of drifting. Drifting through. We must find a course. And we must chart a course to get what God desires for us and get into the harbor that God has planned for us. I believe that it's good. All of us set goals in life. I set goals in my life every year. I set goals of, of how many books I might want to read. Or this year, I'm, I'm setting a goal of reading through the Bible in a chronological order. I, I've never done that before. I, I know there's a, a way to do that. But I, I normally, I'll have a goal of reading through the Bible several times a year or certain books several times a year. But this year, I, I've started a course on reading through chronologically. And, and, and some will say, well, I don't really have a plan. And, and that's why we don't accomplish things if there's no plan. I think every Christian ought to have a plan of, of your relationship with God and in the areas of your life that you need to grow in. If there's weaknesses or, or areas in your life that you know you need to become stronger in or closer to the Lord in, I think this is a great time to, to put a plan together, to focus on those things. We need to determine a fixed direction. Why? Because drifting is an event that's the easiest thing to do in our life. And, and what causes drifting, church? You know, at times, if you're thinking of a, a nautical theme, you're thinking out there on the open sea, you know what causes drifting? The wind can cause drifting. You realize drifting, you don't have to do anything to drift. The, the currents can cause drifting. The tides can cause drifting. And all of these things, the, the things that happen all around us can move us in a direction that it desires to move us. But I want to remind you that the world does not choose the direction of the Christian. God's word chooses the direction. And if we simply just go by the, the current of the world or the wind of this world or the tides of this world, we will not go in the direction toward God. We'll go in a direction away from God. And before you know it, you'll be farther and farther and farther from where God desires for you to be. In order for us not to drift, it takes Direction. It takes several things that we're going to look at here today. You know, you don't have to decide to drift. Drifting happens naturally. But you have to decide not to drift. And you have to decide to set anchor. And there's a, there's a constant pull. I'm not going to preach this morning what that constant pull is. But there is a constant pull away from God. We're living in a post-Christian culture. We're living in a post-Christian society. Our young people are not being encouraged to serve the Lord. Our young people are being encouraged to live whatever life you want to live. Have as many partners as you want to have. Experience life. Explore life. And, and life is about you. And our message is not life is about you. The message of the word of God is that life is about God and God's plan for you. And life ought to be lived through Jesus Christ. 
That's the message. And I want to encourage you not to drift. And so we must give a more earnest heed. Why? So that we don't drift on by God's appointed harbor. Again, all of us, I hope, would agree this morning that God has something specific in store for you and your family this year. God has something specific in store for our church this year, and I don't want any of us to miss what God has divinely appointed for us. A drifting ship will always find trouble. You you may end in shipwreck. You may get lost at sea. And and I I think the, the, the most trouble, the most significant thing that we ought to consider is a drifting ship will miss what God has for you. And it ought to trouble us. It ought to trouble us to miss what God has for our life. And so would you write these three things down here today I want us to look at out of this passage of Scripture. And I want you to write this down. In this new year, we need to be determined. We need to to determine the direction of our life. At this threshold of this new year, we need to determine the direction of our life. I want to encourage you this year, don't be a spiritual drifter. There may be some things in your life that you know need to change. You know what I'd say to you, church? Then put direction in your life to see that change. You may have a course that your life is set on that you know is not the course that it needs to be. There may be some things in your life this year that you know that God is not pleased with. You know some things need to change. Maybe it's your work ethic at work. Maybe it's your, your, your testimony in your neighborhood. Maybe it's, it's your, some things within your family. Maybe it's some areas in your life that you know there's some areas that you must change course on. The first thing that you must do is determine the direction of your life. Don't be a spiritual drifter. Without goals, your life is like a a ship without a rudder. You see, back in these days that the author of Hebrews wrote, they didn't have these large ships with with the engines that we have today. These, These large ships, they were dependent upon several things to continue to move. And one of the the most one of the most important things of a ship is the rudder. It's one of the smallest pieces on a ship compared to the size of a ship. But that rudder is such an important piece of that ship because that rudder, it determines the direction that that boat or that ship is going to go. Without that rudder, that that ship will just aimlessly spin in the sea. Without that, it would just wind up wherever the winds of, of life would cause that ship to go. And that's not the direction or the way that a, a, a spiritual Christian ought to live their life. And so there not, must be direction. And church, I want to just give you a couple things under that direction. And that would be this. Number one, pray for the goals that God has put in your life. Pray for those goals. Don't just aimlessly make goals, but are you praying about what God wants for you and your family this year? Have you sat down and and spent time with the Lord? I would think this, prayer, I've heard this so often said, prayer is the most talked about but least done thing in the life of a Christian. 
You know what I would determine this year? That prayer ought to be one of the most important things that you can do this year. Pray. Have a set time. I was reading a lot about prayer over the last couple weeks, and, and one of the authors said on prayer, the best thing that you can do in your prayer life is put a time in your day where you're going to pray. Because we'll think about prayer often, but we'll get so busy throughout our day that it's something we'll think about, it's something we'll talk about, but it's something that we never take time to do if it's just left to our discretion. But take time every day to pray. I was working on my, my Bible, uh, chronological Bible reading uh, app, and one of the things that it did, one of the last things it did was set up a daily reminder for you to do this. And when I got to that point, that was, I think that was the last thing it had me do, and I thought to myself, how wonderful that is. What it was doing is setting up direction in my life. It was saying, make sure that you read, and one way to do that is set an alarm in your life, set a reminder in your life, set direction in your life, because if we'll do that, you know what'll happen? We'll accomplish it. But without direction, we might have great, great desires and great dreams, but we're not going to accomplish things. Are you praying over your goals? I, I want to ask you this question about your goals that you set. Does it have your enthusiasm? Does it have your excitement? Are you excited and enthused to serve the Lord this year? Or has that kind of waned in your life? We're living in a culture that, that, that they, they call it the post-Christian culture and, 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 and there's not a lot of excitement or enthusiasm around us for the things of God. But I want to encourage you, what God is looking for, as he says in the Old Testament, is that one to stand in the gap, that one to represent him. Is there enthusiasm and excitement in your life? I think that we ought to show the generation coming up behind us that serving the Lord is a wonderful thing, that serving the Lord is an exciting thing that serving the Lord is worthwhile is there enthusiasm and excitement in serving the Lord if not I'd ask the Lord give you that excitement again give you that enthusiasm again and write this down not only should we pray not only should we have enthusiasm and excitement but does it demand the very best of you or do you give the Lord what's left does serving the Lord demand what's best of you? God has gifted each and every one of us here today. He's gifted you with some gift, with a talent that he has given you so that you will serve him with it. Serve him with your best this year. And then lastly, I want to ask you this under direction. Does it touch every area of your life? Does this direction touch every area of your life? You know, the Bible is warning us of drifting without direction. I want you to see, secondly, look with me in verse number three. The Bible says this, how shall we escape if we neglect? And, and circle that word or underline that word neglect. So great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. That word, if we neglect, or that phrase, if we neglect. And I want you to write this down, number two. We need to determine to have focused discipline in our life. 
not only do we need direction, we also need discipline. Direction is wonderful, but discipline is what's going to get us to accomplish that direction. Discipline. If we neglect direction without discipline, it doesn't work. Would you write this down someplace in your heart? Neglect will ruin you. Neglect will ruin you. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, go to the, go to the dentist, and the dentist will say, to floss your teeth, right? And if you say which ones, and they'll say which ones you want to keep. That's the ones you floss. If you just floss a couple, he's not going to be glad or she's not going to be happy when you go for that visit. She's going to say you've neglected. And if you neglect something long enough, it's going to ruin it. Neglect your home long enough and your home will be ruined. Neglect your relationship with your, your spouse long enough and you're going to have a ruined relationship. Neglect a relationship with your children and you'll have a, a ruined relationship. Neglect your relationship with God, Christian, and you'll have a ruined relationship. Neglect will ruin us. So again, in verse number three, he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? That salvation that he speaks of, he says, this great salvation. What is that salvation? The salvation is what Jesus Christ did for us. He went to the cross. He, he died for our sins. He gave his life so that you and I could have life in Christ, eternal life. He says, this is first, it began to be spoken by the Lord himself, and, and then it was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. He says, at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. This, this was conceived by God, that salvation that he is speaking of. The one he says not to neglect. I want to remind you, church, this is from God. What we're doing here and what our church represents is not something made up by man. It's not some religious exercise that we go through on Sunday morning. It's because that God conceived this idea that man is lost in its sin and man cannot be redeemed because he's lost, but there has to be a, a payment for his sin and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die and pay our sin debt. And because of that, we can be reconciled, redeemed back to God. How great a salvation we have because of Jesus Christ. It began, it was conceived by God. Look, look with me in verse number 9 of this same chapter. But we see Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful statement? But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that, by he, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And this is what the author is saying. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect that. Be disciplined this year. Be focused on your discipline this year. Jesus Christ paid an ultimate price. He gave his life so that we could be saved. Don't neglect that this year. Why did Jesus die? So that we could have a great salvation. For it became him who are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering, verse number 10 says. 
Well, the proof of our worth is what Jesus paid for our salvation. Over this past year, I know mortgage rates are down and houses, if you are in the real estate business or you are looking for a house, you learn this, I heard this often, that inventory is down. And prices of housing are, are through the roof. I was reading an article about housing prices and they said this, in many of the cases, who determines the price of the house? And they said, the person buying the house. And many a times they'd go to buy a house and the house would not be appraised necessarily for what they were going to agree to purchase on. So they, the, the, the person would come with, with money on top of what the house was worth and give this money to the buyer and then mortgage uh, uh, through the bank the difference that the bank wouldn't give. Why? Because that house was worth it to them. Someone told me that they sold their house for $50,000 more than the appraised value. And I say to them, wonderful. Now I say to the person that bought the house, oh no. But to the person sold it, wonderful. Well, who set the price? Who set the value of that home? The person that walked into that home and said, this home is worth every penny that I'm gonna spend. They set the value of the home. And they purchased that based upon what they thought the value was. And the proof of our worth is what Jesus Christ did for our salvation. He gave his life what more could be given? And the author of Hebrews says this, don't neglect this. Don't take this for granted. The salvation that Jesus Christ paid our sin debt and was placed in that grave and rose again, the gospel ought to impact our life, church. It ought to change us. It ought to motivate us. It ought to do something inside of us and we can't neglect this great salvation. Now this salvation that he is speaking of, he is speaking to save people. He's not saying don't neglect it as not receiving it. He's speaking to save people in Hebrews here. What he's saying is those that are saved, now don't neglect it. You've been given a gift. Do something with this gift. Live this gift. Let this gift do something in you. May your service to the Lord be great this year because of the salvation Jesus Christ paid for you. Don't neglect what Jesus has done for you. Don't be a spiritual drifter this year because spiritual drifting heads for the rocks. It heads for destruction. Listen to me, church. We don't need any, other, any more castaways. Christianity I believe I believe I truly believe that Jesus Christ the stage is set Jesus could return this year we don't need any more castaways we, we don't need any more lives ruined we need Christians that set the direction and determine that they are going to live for Christ Jesus Look with me in verse number 11. Jesus calls us brethren for both he that sanctifieth, they are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Brethren. 
saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. All that Jesus has done. He's done all of this so that he can call you brethren. And I want to ask you this question. Have you become comfortable with your salvation? Have you gotten comfortable? Have you begun to drift in any way? Don't neglect it this year. What are you going to do for the kingdom of God this year with your life? What, what direction have you set? What are you determined that you are going to do? What plan do you have in place? I am going to do this for the kingdom of God. Maybe it's, maybe it's service. Maybe, it's, maybe you say, I'm going to share the gospel with more than I have this past year. I'm going I'm to pray for boldness to, to be able to present the gospel. Maybe there's family members or coworkers or neighbors that you just know they need to hear the gospel and God has placed you in the middle of their life and you're saying this year with boldness I'm going to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's a talent that God has given you and you this year say I'm going to use this talent so that the Lord Jesus Christ is pleased. Maybe it's church attendance. Maybe it's being a better part of the body of Christ. Maybe it's giving or tithing. Maybe there's things that you just say, I know, I know that I've been comfortable and I'm not going to neglect these areas because of the great salvation that I have through Jesus Christ. And church, will 2022 be the year that you have direction? Will this be the year that you have discipline into, in your walk with God? Or will this be the year that you drift and neglect what you have in Christ? I'm talking about living in the Spirit. Walking with the Lord this year. Letting the Spirit of God guide you. Having the discipline in your life to be yielded to the Spirit, allowing Him to do with what He will with your life. Number three, would you mark this down? Number one, direction. Number two, discipline. Number three, will you develop a firm devotion? The direction and the discipline without devotion, it'll end in nothing. Go with me, if you would please, to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. In verse number 19. Hebrews chapter 6. Here this author still has this theme, this, this theme of ships, this nautical theme. And he says this in verse number 19, which hope we have as an anchor. He's speaking of this anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into, into that within the veil. What's that veil? The holy of holies. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest for e, for, forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, he is still speaking like a sea captain to us here in chapter number six. He's still using the same theme. He says this, that we have an anchor. And that, that symbol of our Christian faith is, is, is a cross. Maybe you've seen a cross used or a, a fish. You've seen that used as a symbol of our Christian faith or, or an anchor. When I was in Tunisia, uh, 
the, uh, the catacombs. Uh, uh, when I had visited, obviously at one time, Rome, the Roman Empire had, had conquered that area and was controlling that area. And one of the interesting things I saw, one was the Rome, Roman Colosseum, and I've mentioned this on several occasions. While visiting Tunisia, they took me to a Roman Colosseum where some 50,000 people would enter this Colosseum, and this is the place that they would have Christians killed for their faith. Some very famous martyrs were killed for their faith there in Tunisia, in that Roman Colosseum. They would take the, take the Christians and they'd have them underground and bring them from their cages up to the middle of this Colosseum. They'd come out, and as they came out, there'd be gladiators, there'd be a, a, a wild beast, and, and, and even others that would battle with these Christians and kill them as a sport for all those that were watching. And to be a Christian wasn't popular during those times. And so what the Christians did in Rome and also in this in Tunisia, in this Roman-occupied area, they would hide underground. They would go to the catacombs and they would live in these catacombs. The other thing that I did there in Tunisia, not only visiting that, that Colosseum, was to walk through these catacombs. And, and what, a, what a, just a humbling thought to think that Christians were, were fleeing persecution, living in these catacombs, hovering together on, by candlelight, reading portions of God's word. And you would find in these catacombs where the Christians, there would be crosses uh, there in the, in the walls of the catacombs or, or fish or even anchors. And that anchor represented Jesus Christ. In order to keep from drifting, we need an anchor of hope. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. And we need an anchor of hope that grips that solid rock of truth and that connects us with a cable of faith. And, 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 and listen, hear me uh, with that. This, this portion of Scripture, I, I want to I just describe something just to help you understand as the author is using this anchor and using this analogy as the ships would come into harbor, these large ships, they would come into harbor. Now, the harbors in those days weren't dragged through like maybe the harbors of today. They were very dangerous for the ships to come through. If you've ever been on a ship, maybe you've come, uh, maybe like on Lake Erie, coming from one of those islands and coming back into the ship, you would find that that ship captain uses the engine to... to to start to come into that harbor and he, he controls that ship with the, the power of that engine. Now, in these days, back in Hebrews, as this author was describing, these great ships didn't have these, these engines like they have today. And so as these ships would come into harbor, the winds, the tide, the currents could take those ships and begin to beat them against the rocks. And so they had to do something to keep from the ship from being destroyed it was, as it was coming into the, the dangerous harbor. And we think so often the ships that are out to sea, the waves and the storms that come out to sea, but one of the most dangerous things was coming into a harbor. And so they would do this. They would take a smaller ship. That smaller ship would go out as the larger ship was out to sea. That smaller ship would, would, would take the anchor from the ship. They would lower it into this smaller ship. 
and that smaller ship that, that uh, would take that anchor into the harbor and would then take that anchor and fasten it against the large rocks of that harbor. And then what would happen when the tide was just right, the, that anchor is now set in the harbor and that ship, then they would pull that ship from that anchor and it would pull that ship into harbor into safety. You say, what's the, what does that mean for this passage of Scripture? That small ship that would take that anchor and anchor it into safety, and then they would pull that large boat with that anchor was called a forerunner. Here, let's read this again. He says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered. Jesus is our forerunner. Jesus ties that rope of our salvation onto the throne room of God. He connects us to God. We're going to have some storms this year. And, and, and we're going to have some trials this year. But oh, listen to me, the forerunner, Jesus Christ, he's anchored us into something that is unmovable. And so I say to us, church, let the breakers roll, let the floods swell, let the tides lift, and though our sails may be torn or torn into shreds or though our mass is broken, we have an anchor in his name is Jesus Christ. And our devotion must be to him. Oh, listen to me, storms are scary and storms may cause us to fear, but we must remember who holds our future, who has our anchor, and our anchor is Jesus Christ. And let's stay devoted to Christ this year. I hope that 2022 is going to be a great year for every single person. I pray that it is a great year for our church. And it's not dependent upon the storms, or it's not dependent upon the current, and it's not dependent dependent upon the political climate and it's not dependent upon our government and it's not dependent upon Wall Street and it's not dependent upon our finances. What is going to allow us to have the year that we need to have this year is all dependent upon our forerunner, Jesus Christ. He's anchored us in. And so let's have direction and let's have discipline and let's have devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what comes, comes. We're anchored. And he pulls us in. Our anchor is fast, is steadfast. Our anchor is sure. And let's make sure that our devotion is to him.